Welcome to When Nature Calls, a podcast all about nature, with each episode featuring a topic from the true to the silly to the bizarre. I'm Renee. I'm the manager of Red Oak Nature Center in Batavia, Illinois, and with me is... Hi, I'm Christy, and I'm the environmental education supervisor at Red Oak Nature Center, and today on episode two, we are talking all about spring. Woodland plants, spring facts, and other things. All right, so spring. Who likes spring? Me, 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 me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, all of us, I think, can kind of agree that there is one season that we absolutely just love. And I think for a lot of people, it's springtime. Not myself. I mean, spring's okay. My, My favorite is summer. But I think people like spring because it's the sign of you know, things warming, growing, renewal, uh, all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, in looking for spring facts, uh, there wasn't anything too bizarre or unusual. Um, but I mean, there's lots of flowers. Uh, and if you're wondering what came before flowers, they were lots of coniferous cone-bearing plants. So uh, still plants around, producing that oxygen, helping uh, this evolution of plants and animals, but no beautiful flowers like we have today. Well, that's surprising because the first spring flowers, what are typically lilacs, irises, lilies, tulips, daffodils, dandelions, which are in my yard. Yes, lots of those growing. (laughs) But you know what? It's a favorite pastime of kids to pick those little dandelions and just spread those beautiful seeds wherever the wind may blow. Do you remember, maybe you're too young, that if you held like the old um, wives' tale about if you held a dandelion underneath your chin and if it reflected yellow, it meant that you liked butter? (laughs) (laughs) Um. You're probably too young. Uh, uh, I, I, I am too young for that because I think just about anybody likes butter um, and all things to predict butter. Um, no, what I remember is making the crowns out of that. Ooh, nice. And then um, some rhyme, and I can't even remember what the rhyme is, but you take the, the dandelion, you rub it in your hand, and it leaves a yellow stain in your hand, and... I don't know what was supposed to come out of that, but uh, those 80s babies probably know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Probably, probably. Um, I have dandelions in my yard, but I also have tulips. So if you had uh, a couple of tulip plants, you can consider yourself rather wealthy. I don't know if it'll become as valuable uh, as gold in today's market. Um, But another point of why it was valuable is that all parts of the tulip are edible. So if you were hungry and needed the snack, you could just pull up a tulip and start chewing away. Wow. Okay. So I've got a couple in my backyard. Mm -hmm. So I have a retirement plan and dinner plans at the same time. You are good to go. I am good. I am prepared. There's also flowers that are in our woods right now for those that have the opportunity to go walking through Red Oaks paths. Okay. Um, There's some really cool things that are happening um, this time of year. Um, I see, I have seen Bloodroot and Bloodroot has a couple other names. It's called Tetterwort. Excuse me? Pawson. 
Uh-huh. Okay. Pacoon, Indian paint, red root, and coon root. Oh. And it was used as an as in med- medicine, which is probably why it has all those names. Okay. It is an herb. It has a single white flower, so you know what you're looking for, which which emerges from the leaf of the plant as it is growing. Uh-huh. Um, and then the stem contains that red liquid, giving blood root its name because it's got that red stuff inside. The red stuff. Um, What's the first- that stuff called? <laughs> the red stuff. The red stuff. Is- Let's be scientific. <laughs> right. All right, fine. It's the it contains a mixture of isoquinoline alkaloids. Whoa. And the most common being sanguinarian. So that's the red stuff. The red stuff. Which is stuff. why I said. Well, I was going even stuff. more simpler and just saying sap. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> yes, sap. Or you could say, if you really want to keep going scientifically, um, the rhizome contains a red liquid. Okay. Sap. Okay. Sap. So we're appealing to everybody from the first beginning, <laughs> beginning learners all the way through those experienced uh, experts up there. Well, hopefully the experts are out there listening and going, that is just a horrible pronunciation, but I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. So if that's... that gets us to have some feedback from our public, <laughs> let's do it. Okay. Yeah. And the sanguinarian is an antibiotic. Oh, okay. And so not only being a pretty plant in the past, it was used as a medicinal plant. Another plant that's a little nicer, shall we say, doesn't cause skin defects, is wild ginger. A lot of people have heard about ginger Absolutely. It has some other names, too. Canadian snake root, heart snake root, and colt's foot. Okay. Which I've never never heard of colt's foot. Nope. That's new to me. It makes sense. It makes sense because, what, the leaves are dark green and usually paired and heart-shaped, which some people might think looks like a little cloven hoof. Well, that's very clever. Or like a hoof of a... You know, sometimes those scientists like to make it easy for us and uh, sometimes really <laughs> dumb it. Okay, so one more plant that's in our woods that's kind of interesting is Jack in the Pulpit. Oh, what's that? And, um, this one has some other names, Bog Onion, Indian Turnip, and Marsh Pepper. So there's a, those are all vegetables. Does that mean that this plant is edible? Uh, root is considered edible. Okay. Um, it has a peppery taste. That, that raw root possesses, and it was um, common in Native American medicine. It was used to treat sore throats and as an expectorant and diaphoretic. So they were able, okay. I know they were able to use this plant um, in many different ways. They also found it that it treated various skin infections and relieved general soreness for sore eyes and headaches. Absolutely, I'll agree. Um, and Jack in the Pulpit is in our woods now. It's kind of cool because it regrows from its roots each spring. So there's that renewal, Christy, you were talking about. It can uh-huh. get one to three feet tall and it produces one or, two, oh, wow. one or two leaves, each with three leaflets and a single flower. And then this is the part where they get the jack part. It, it has a green flower that is often streaked with brown and forms kind of into a cone with a hood over it. And that characteristic okay. flower looks like it's a preacher standing at the pulpit ready to give a sermon. Okay, so some plants that don't have an extreme value of money or really anything to the woods because it actually detracts from the value of the woods by kind of taking over and ruining all the biodiversity that makes woods so interesting are those invasive plants. And there's one that I'm thinking of that, Christy, you probably know really well because you have led many programs about this plant is the garlic mustard plant. That's right. 
this is this is one of those plants that is prolific. It takes over an entire area. It's invasive because it didn't grow here. Those first settlers brought it over. It is an herb. It is edible. And I think that's one of the big things that people don't understand about garlic mustard is that it is edible. It does have a short window of when it tastes the best. It's kind of like your spring asparagus. And you can pick it and use it for things like soups, sauces, salsas. It has a very garlicky onion flavor, which is fantastic. But again, that short season, as soon as those white flowers come up, it's not very um, edible anymore. It tastes more bitter. And that's when you want to pull it because that's when it's growing at seed pods. And each little pod can have 10 seeds in it. And when you multiply that by five to 10 pods per plant, you're, th you're talking about hundreds of seeds for one garlic mustard plant. So that's why at Red Oak Nature Center, we work pretty hard to remove this plant. Yeah. And what's really cool about it too, is that humans can eat it like it's in salsa. It makes a great pesto, but nothing else really does. So without human intervention, it's just going to take over. So the other thing that spring is really known for is the weather. And the weather can be crazy this time of spring. What are we supposed to have? Freezing temperatures these nights? We had snow the other day. Um, if you are out in our woods, I will let you know that it's probably not the safest. We are known as a uh, hardwood forest, so oaks, hickories, maples. And uh, apparently lightning is known to strike oak trees more than any other species out there. So at Red Oak, you probably shouldn't be hiking if there's any threat of lightning. True. Ian, it, it's just a good rule of thumb not to be out during that kind of weather. However, if you're caught off guard, don't stand near an oak tree. Okay. Do not. Do not. It's away. Away. Yes. And we have gotten a lot of rain this year, um, I think, but not enough to, to recreate an ocean. Did you know that 85% of plant life is found in the ocean? I did. And did you know that? Plankton is blooming. <laughs> I did. Okay. Big surprise. I jumped right on that, right? I'm like, ooh, ocean. Uh -huh. um, it's spring is brings more sunlight, like you said, and warmer temperatures. Uh -huh. And that creates that nutrient-rich environment that's perfect for phytoplankton to bloom. And for those that don't know what phytoplankton is, <laughs> it's the base of the food system in the ocean. So phytoplankton is eaten by small little zooplankton, which is eaten by small little crustaceans, which is eaten by little fish, which is eaten by bigger fish. Wow. Which is also like of animals together eating one another. It is. And, and spring makes that happen because spring also has that ocean flip, which is amazing to me because that's when that heavy water on the top of the surface sinks to the bottom, taking the place of the warmer layer. So you would like this, Christy, because you like warm temperatures okay. and the warm water comes up to the surface that was down below and it brings with it lots of nutrients. So it gets that well, I do love warm going. water. So you do, and see warm the ocean, water, warm air. The ocean is full of warm water. So, and know. sharks don't like warm water. So I'm sad. That's not necessarily true. Oh. <laughs> Fun fact, folks. Yeah. We'll just go with Christy. Go ahead, go swimming, Christy. But not uh -huh. necessarily something that sharks don't like. So okay, then. it is. It is. It is a good time of year. I mean, everything is changing over. Renewal is happening. It's definitely a time to get outside safely. And especially at Red Oak Nature Center, there's a lot that you can see. Bye for now. That's it for this episode of When Nature Calls, the podcast all about nature with each episode featuring a topic from the true to the silly to the bizarre.
If you have an idea or topic you would like to talk about next, email us at redoak at fvpd.net to share. Thanks for listening today. Bye-bye.